0: We serve a good God. Amen. Uh, it's really good to be here with you all today. Um, thank you for the kind welcome and um, it's really, yeah, really good to be here. My name is Valerie. Uh, Tau. I come with you um, with greetings from the south side uh, from your sister church and New Community Covenant Church in Bronzeville where I serve on staff. Um, yeah, and it's really good to be here and the weather is beautiful at this very moment. So let's praise God for that and we'll see what the rest of the day brings, right? Um, today I will be preaching, um, on the Ascension, um, when Jesus goes up to heaven after his resurrection. Um, and this is not a lot, something that I think us in, in, covenant circles or maybe some evangelical circles spend a lot of time on. We, we talk about the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus a lot and for very good reason, um. But the ascension of Jesus refers to when Jesus was taken up to heaven 40 days after the resurrection and 10 days before Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes and is received by the disciples in Jerusalem. Pentecost is often seen as the birth of the church as an institution rather than a movement following uh, a person. So today um, our passage that will detail this is in Acts chapter one, verses one to 11. Um, There's Bibles in front of you if you want to refer to that or to pull out your phone. Um, In the Bibles in front of you, it's on page 882. Um, And let's stand together um, as we read God's word. So I'll read from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the dates the father has set by his own authority Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today I'll preach from the title, Witnesses to the Reign of God, Now and to Come. So this passage we just read, we're looking at is kind of a bridge passage of sorts. Luke was the likely author of both the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, and these New Testament books are often seen as kind of two volumes to the same story. Um, So in the first chapter of Acts, we see Luke addressing Theophilus, who's uh, a believer, uh, which his name means lover of God, with kind of a summary statement of the things that happened in the Book of Luke. So he writes in verses one and two that the gospel of Luke, or his former book, covered all the things that Jesus taught and did, from Jesus' entrance on earth, um, born of the flesh to the, um, the Virgin Mary, to all the way to when Jesus was taken up in the last chapter of Luke. Luke reminds his readers that Jesus suffered and was killed on the cross, that he arose again from the dead. And then after that, on several occasions, he showed himself to his followers, showing that he was not just a ghost or not just like an apparition that come went, but he was alive. He ate with them. He was with them. He was the same Jesus that was there before he went to the cross, that was teaching and eating and walking with them. This was the same Jesus that came back. And Luke, on purpose, uses very similar language that's in the book of Luke to remind them, to trigger their memory that I am the same Jesus that is here today. We're also reminded of Jesus' emphasis on the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was used to describe over and over that God ruled or reigned. So if you read the book of Luke or any of the other gospels, you see a lot of parables. Jesus talks, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a treasure in the field. This is like Jesus is one of his main metaphors for talking about what he's doing. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus teaches about how the kingdom of God is both a present reality with his ministry as he's walking and talking to people, a physical presence, and a future reality. One that will be fully realized when Jesus comes back. It is both now and not yet. The kingdom of God is kind of like a piece of orchestral music that is being composed. And that you know I, I have a music background in college and so forgive the sort of geeky analogy, but composer starts by getting the music that's in their head out on paper so that other people can hear it and listen to it and figure it out. And so they might be writing down the melody and kind of throwing in some harmony. Maybe they put this line with a piano and that line with a clarinet and then they take that out because they don't like how that sounds and they put it back. And then maybe they say, oh, I'm kind of confused. I don't know what it's like. And they kind of put it down for a little bit. And this composition, is, it's still going. It's ongoing. But nobody knows when it's finished except the composer who's writing it. But it's in process. The piece was already begun but not yet fully realized or completed. But it would be in due time. And such is the kingdom of God. Jesus started it when he came to earth and his ministry on earth, but it will be fully realized when Jesus comes back again, even though it's in process right now as we speak. And so through the lens of the ascension today, we will explore two ways that we're called to live as witnesses to the good news. First, we live as witnesses to God's reign that has already begun with Jesus, and second, we live as witnesses to God's reign that is to come. So first, we live as witnesses to God's reign that has already begun. Verses four to nine detail the interaction between Jesus and his followers immediately before he was taken up. Um, They were just eating a meal, probably like a meal that they had eaten many other times with Jesus. Um, And on this day and this meal, it's about 40 days after the resurrection. And Jesus says, stay in Jerusalem, stay here, don't go elsewhere. Stay here until my father will give you this gift that I told you about, that the Holy Spirit will come down. And then in verse 6, perhaps sensing the gravity of the moment they were living in, they crowd around Jesus and they say, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Which sounds a little bit odd because of what they've just told them because he's just like, stay here and wait, wait for God. But Jesus' disciples, they understand that Jesus is the king, the Messiah, the one that they've been waiting for. And so they're asking a legitimate question. They're saying, Jesus, are you going to be the new king, the new David, and reestablish Israel, and be the political leader of the world so everybody can know what you're doing? And Jesus, in his grace, and his mercy, and his care for his disciples, doesn't put down the question and say, hey, You've been with me for three years. Don't you know what I'm actually about? Jesus just kind of redirects and says, you know, it's not really about where the kingdom of God is, but it's about its scope and its time. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is not just about a place. It's not just about Jerusalem. They're asking him, when will the kingdom of God be fully restored to this place and this time and a specific country? But they weren't even thinking in the right ballpark. Jesus is thinking about something more wide-reaching and fully just. Instead of one king who rules over a bounded geographic area, Jesus is talking about a reign of God that extends to the ends of the earth and that people will not know about it because they're being forced to live under a leader that's making them live that way. Jesus is saying you're gonna know about it because you're gonna be my witnesses. They're gonna know about it from you. And so in verse seven we see Jesus kind of coming back and saying, you're you're worried about the wrong things. You want something that's just about Israel, but my concern, Jesus says to them, is so much bigger and so much larger than that. Don't worry about when the kingdom's gonna come. Just be here now, know what your role is, and your role is to wait right here in Jerusalem. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come, and then you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses starting here in Jerusalem, then moving out to Judea where you're a little more familiar, you might know some people, then moving out to Samaria where you really don't like those people, and then moving to the very ends of the earth. So in effect, Jesus is saying, you're thinking way too small, right? Jesus is wanting them to see that the kingdom of God is one in which Jesus and the people who belong to Jesus are together seeking to include more and more and more people in the kingdom of God, in the family of God, not by force or by political rule, but by witnessing, by how they live their lives, to say that there's a God who's moving for the good of all people. Jesus redirects the disciples to remember who they are, to remember that they are Holy Spirit-empowered witnesses to the good news that Jesus lived and died and rose again so that all of creation might be restored and fully living as God intended. Jesus redirects them toward what their role is here and now while they're looking forward at the future. He says don't guess, just be present now and do what you, I have called you to do. Be a living witness to God's work in your life. You were around me for three years, live out of that. Be a present witness and see how your, my presence impacts your life. So the first way that we live as witnesses of the good news is that we live as witnesses to the reign of God that has already begun here and now. Jesus ascended so that we might bear witness to the good news in the midst of this messy, unfinished, incomplete, in-process kingdom of God that we live in. Jesus ascended so that we could bear witness to a God who calls us to participate with God and bringing forth that intended reality. God could do it all by himself, yet God is calling us to be with him and participate in this. After Jesus' resurrection, he could have restored everything at that point. He, said that he could have said the kingdom is done. It's here, it's now. But Jesus ascended after telling the people that he had been with, that you are to be my witnesses to the end of the earth because he wanted his people to participate with him and be in relationship with him in that process. Jesus ascended because the time between his resurrection and his second coming matters. And brothers and sisters, that's now. That means what we're doing right now matters. Jesus ascended so that the Holy Spirit might descend and empower us to be witnesses to the impact that Jesus has had now. And so Jesus is calling us through the ascension to tell us the good news is that we live in process. We live messy lives and that's okay. We live in unfinished, in process lives on purpose. There's seasons um, and places and moments in our personal lives or the lives of the communities that we belong to that are broken. It doesn't take too long to say like, there's a lot wrong with the world that we live in. It feels, can feel oppressive or suffocating at times. And it's our call as individuals and as the people of God and part of the creation that God made and loves, to do the hard work of being present in those broken places, to be witnessing testifying in word and deed in our lives with compassion and mercy and justice, pointing as witnesses to the God who is good and is breaking all things new. What we do now matters because God's spirit is present and at work We are witnesses to God's reign that is here and now when we are in partnership with God and face the brokenness of the world and put hope in the one who has already started the work and will bring it to completion. Put another way, be encouraged that the lives that we live here and now today have value. God is present and working and with us in our day-to-day joys and struggles and sorrows. Practically, we live to witnesses to the already begun reign of God when we live our lives in a way that reflects the radical countercultural calls of Jesus. And so, when people around us notice that there's something different or attractive about how we live in our workplace, our neighborhoods, our families, our communities, the source of that difference is our faith. The Reverend Michael Curry, the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, speaks of a rhetorical device um, in his experience of the African American church tradition where in the midst of a preaching moment when the preacher is making a point of significance, they may pause and say, can I get a witness? And the expected response from the congregation is one of affirmation of what the preacher is saying. And this was the point to ask. There's a response expected in the moment, but there's also a deeper level to say, as Reverend Curry writes, who dares to be a witness in how you live today? It's not just in the moment, but who dares to go out and be a witness? And so, how will we step out in faith and respond to Jesus' charge that we are to be his witnesses where Jesus has placed us, right here, right now, today amongst those we're comfortable with, amongst those we're a little less comfortable with, and to the ends of the earth. How will we we be witnesses? So I'm going to read several questions in a moment to help us reflect on how we might intentionally live as witnesses to the reign of God that has already begun. As I read, listen for a question that may resonate with you, or maybe one that you immediately have an answer with. And kind of sit with that. You don't have to like have an answer for all of them. There will be several questions. But whatever kind of God is pulling at you, I want you to take a few minutes um, and just kind of reflect on that. The questions will be up on the screen as well. And then there will be a couple, um, a couple minutes that I will leave to, for you to reflect upon them. So I'm going to read them. So if you're better wanting to look at the words or just closing your eyes and listen, whatever works for you, please do that. What situation in your life, in your community of belonging, or in society do you need to put in God's hands because you have figured it out or written it off or essentially excluded from being part of the present but in process reign of God? How might you open yourself or this situation back up to God's leading? Put another way, this might be a situation that you see that's just like, well, that's a lost cause. What do you need to hold intention and acknowledge the reality and the possibility? How can you commit to live in word and deed as one impacted by the good news of Jesus and the reign of God that is now and not yet? Perhaps in your place of work or with friends or neighbors who aren't yet followers of Jesus, how can you show up in a way that points to the love, compassion, justice, and mercy of the kingdom of God. In what relationship, place of belonging, or place of advocacy is God calling you to proclaim the reason for the difference people notice? Where is God calling you to take the opportunity when it presents itself to be a witness with your words and say it's because of Jesus Christ that this is how I am in addition to your actions? or how you carry yourself? So take a moment and look at those questions and and kind of pick the one that sits with you and reflect on how will you live in response to the reign of God that has already begun. So just give a couple minutes for that to happen right now. So as we finish up this time, I want to encourage you that if something has kind of stuck with you in this moment of reflection, that after service, if there's somebody that you know, that you would share that, share what kind of came to you that you can, that person can pray with you or encourage you in the midst of that. Or if it's something that you want to uh, talk to Minister Tim about after the service for prayer, he'll be available as well. So in light of Jesus' ascension, first we live as witnesses to the God's reign that has already begun. And second, we live as witnesses to God's reign that is to come. In verses 9 to 11, we see that after Jesus gives the charge to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, it just says Jesus is taken up into the sky and into a cloud until they could no longer see him. And now Jesus' followers who had seen him heal blind people's eyes, make paralyzed people walk, summon dead people from the tomb. Now see their Lord and Savior literally being taken up into the sky. And as they're looking up into the sky, two men, presumably angels, come down next to them and say, why are you looking into the sky? Jesus is coming back the same way you just saw him go up. We read this and we kind of gloss over with our 21st century eyes, how sort of out of this world, literally, that this moment is, right? Like, it makes me think a little bit about, they're eating They're eating a meal together, and then all of a sudden, Jesus is, just goes up, like, does he go through the roof? Like, what what actually happens? Like, this is a very, very supernatural thing that's happening that, like, you know, the Bible gives a verse to, but, like, I mean, this is gonna blow their socks off, right? And so, One minute, Jesus is eating a meal with his followers and it seemed like any other day, and the next minute, like, he's just gone, right? And he tells them to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. And they ask him, you know, are you gonna restore the kingdom of God? He replies that that's not the time or the place to know, and then he just goes. They go literally in minutes from eating a meal to their worlds are completely changed because Jesus is gone. Like, think about it, it's enough time, like, if somebody stepped out to go to the bathroom or to get more food, like everything changes in that instance. That's what we're talking about. In a matter of minutes, Jesus goes from being with them and in the body to being with God the Father, sitting at the right hand of God. And so this, um, the ascension, right? So Jesus ascended and the followers are looking up into the sky, wondering probably a whole bunch of things, right? Probably where Jesus was, What are they gonna do now? Jesus died, he rose again, he was like, Jesus is finally back with us. Like, Jesus was with them for 40 days. And now he's gone again in a moment. And so, while they're staring, the men in white are like, what are you doing? Why are you looking up? Jesus has already given you your marching orders. And they know that at that moment, Jesus will come back in a moment, at some moment when no one's expecting it, but in that moment when Jesus comes back, the same way he went up in glory, when he changes everything, in that moment, God's rule and reign will be fully realized. In that moment, everything will be made right, and it will happen just like that. In a blink of an eye, in a matter of minutes, everything will change. But their reminder in that moment is that Jesus is going up, but you need to be here and you need to be witnesses, be Jesus's witnesses. Jesus' ascension reminds us that Jesus is indeed God. Jesus ascended back to God's right hand on equal footing with God the Father. Jesus' ascension is also the transfer of power and authority for doing God's work in the world from Jesus to his disciples to us. Jesus ascended so that the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, was not limited to one geographic area where Jesus was, but that the Holy Spirit could come down and empower disciples and be present with them to the ends of the earth and at all times. Without the ascension, there would be no Pentecost, which would mean the church as we know it today would not exist. Christianity would be a group of people who are literally following one person And it would not have grown into a movement that was all over the world, with many cultures and all over in different ways. The ascension gives us hope that what we see with our eyes here, the things that are happening on this earth and that the work of the kingdom of God that has begun is not all that there is, that there's something else going on that we cannot see and that is coming. There is something more going on that meets the eye. God, in partnership with the people of God, is renewing all things, and this renewal will be complete when Jesus returns again. In some way, the ascension is much like Advent, leading up to Christmas, where we celebrate and anticipate Jesus' first entrance into the world, being born of the Virgin Mary. The ascension kicks off a second Advent, a second period of waiting, when we anticipate Jesus' return, when all things will be made right, and God's reign will be over all things. And so Hebrews 11 and 12 gives us some examples of what it looks like to faithfully live while actively waiting. In the first two verses of Hebrews 11 it reads, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The chapter continues listening person after person who follow God's call and direction and saying, most of the time, these people, they didn't get what they were promised in their lifetime. Starting in verse 32 and jumping to verse 35, it says, what shall I say? I do not have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and all the prophets, women who received back their dead, raised to life. There were others who were tortured, some faced jeers and floggings, even chains and imprisonments. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith and yet none of them received what had been promised since God planned something better for us that only together with us would they be made perfect. These forefathers and foremothers of our faith went through the struggles of life. They wrestled hard with God and they try to keep on believing even when the circumstances of life made it hard. They were faithful to the lives God put in front of them. And their role, just like ours, is to be witnesses to the story of God that made the God who made them and called them to Himself. To enter the story of God, they entered the story of God at their time in history, and we enter the story of God at our time in history. Yet they lived as witnesses to the coming reign of God because they knew their lives had meaning beyond just the time that they were there. And so in light of Jesus' ascension, we can live, live as witnesses to this reign of God that is to come because we know that there is more than just meets the eye. What happens here and now matters because it's all part of God's larger story. What happens now is all part of God's story of realizing his reign on earth. And the good news is we continue in that line of foremothers and forefathers of faith. Our faith rest on, rests on theirs, and the generations that come after us will rest on our faith. And the good news of the ascension is that Jesus ascended when the kingdom have, has already begun, but it's, there's more to do. In the midst of the now, in the midst of the work towards God's intended reality, the kingdom of God has already become begun, and it is coming. So we live as witnesses to God's reign that has already begun and that is to come when we do the hard work of working through our own family history, figuring out how to engage hard things that make us who we are on the road to becoming more emotionally healthy. When we enter the mess of trying to restore broken relationships, intentionally owning the harm we have done and extending the forgiveness to those that we have harmed or to those that have harmed us, when we confess and we extend forgiveness, we are living as witnesses to God's reign that has already begun and that is to come. When we work towards a reality where everyone can thrive, when we do the work that God has called us to do, distributing food, walking with brothers and sisters on the journey, creating space where people can be themselves. We trust that God will bring flourishing and restoration of relationship to everybody so we engage in that work now. And in all of this, we are living as witnesses to God's reign that has begun and that is to come. When we choose community over isolation, doing faith and being vulnerable with people rather than giving in to the lie that we're the only one that can do anything about our situation we are living as witnesses to God's reign that has already begun and that is to come. When we engage with difference and divisive issues with both the reality that is, there is right and wrong but also seeing people who hold different views as people created in God's image, we are living as witnesses to God's reign that has already begun and that is to come. When we are able to hold the tensions of life, the both, and rather than having to say this or that, we are living as witnesses to God's reign that has already begun and that is to come. Hebrews 1 to three reads, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so friends, we run the race set before us, knowing that there is meaning in the joys and sorrows of life because Jesus' ascension reminds us that we live waiting for Jesus to return in just the way that he left, in glory and in power. Jesus will return in a way that the whole earth knows that he is God and that all things will be made right. And our lives are part of the story of God. And while we see glimpses of God's intended reality now, that broken relationship that's just getting a little bit better over time, the difference is made because of the steady and constant work of saints in one neighborhood over years and years and years. When Jesus has returned, those glimpses will be reality and all things will be made right. The celebration of Jesus' ascension, of his being taken up to sit at the right hand of God, happens 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus. And it's kind of the counterpart to Ash Wednesday, which happens 40 days before the resurrection and during the season of Lent. We kick off the season of Lent in the church calendar with Ash Wednesday. And so on Ash Wednesday, in a traditional service, we remember our mortality We remember that God created us as human beings from the dust of the earth, and we are in desperate need of a savior. And on Ash Wednesday, during a part of the service where we receive ashes, the pastors will place ashes on their fingers and make the sign of the cross on everybody's forehead, saying, remember that you are dust, and to dust you will return. Repent and believe the gospel. In one of the commentaries I was reading, the author writes about an Ascension Day service, which in churches that celebrated is held on the Thursday, 40 days after Easter. And in this service, the congregation was called up to receive the sign of cross on their foreheads. And today, and not that day, on on Ascension Day, members of the congregation received crosses of glitter on their foreheads. These sparkly, vibrant, glitter crosses painted on their foreheads was a reminder of the glory and the power of the risen Christ who ascended into heaven and whose presence is with us now. That there is more than meets the eye, that even though this world seems like its ashes, there is something more, that glory is coming and glory is here. The ascension reminds us that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to move from looking up and looking for Jesus, to worshiping Jesus with our lives, to living as witnesses and participating with Jesus in the work of the kingdom that has already begun and will be fully realized when Jesus returns. And when Jesus returns, what a glorious, glorious day that will be. Friends, we know how the story finishes. We know the end. We know that Jesus is coming back in glory the same way he went up and that the reign of God that has already begun will be brought to completion. Thanks be to God. We are not responsible for how that story ends, but we are called to play our part and be present in that story and join the great cloud of witnesses and be witnesses for generations that are to come. And so great is the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Amen. God, we thank you that you are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end of all things. And Lord, we thank you that you have invited us to participate in your kingdom work, to bring forth that reality. Um, And so, Lord God, I pray that you would give us perseverance in the days where that reality seems so distant. But Lord, also remind us of the hope and the goodness and the faithfulness of your son and of your gospel that is continually calling us to live into um, the loving arms of our Savior. And Lord, we thank you that you have not called us to do this life alone, that we have our brothers and sisters that we are on this journey with. And so, Lord God, I pray that you would encourage us and give us um, and remind us that you are doing something so much bigger than what we can ever think or imagine. And we are grateful that you've invited us along on the journey. And Lord, we thank you for your ascension that shows us that you are still working now today. And so we thank you and we praise you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.